0: Good, beautiful New Year's morning. morning. It's, it's tough out there with the weather, I know, but you braved the elements to be here this morning, so, so thank you for that. We are, we are starting a new um, couple of weeks here. It's, it's a very appropriate title for New Year's called Getting Off to a Great Start. And I think um, it's really important that we, we stop and we kind of look at 2011 and we look forward to 2012. It's, it's kind of a common thing. I'm a huge sports fan, as many of you know. And the NBA season was shortened by a lockout, and it started on Christmas Day. And there were games going on all over the place. And I loved listening to all the, 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 the people talk about expectations. And, you know, oh, this team's going to win or this team's going to win or whatever. One thing that was common is they all agreed that it was important in a shortened season that everyone got off to a good start, that you had to start off you know, getting out of the gate well. And I think that it's important for us to kind of look forward at 2012 with a plan and say, hey, I wanna get off to a good start this year. And one of the things that is important is when we get off to a good start is to do it from a state of being refreshed. My wife and I braved uh, the road this Christmas. It's the first time we'd ever done it. I have a four-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter, and we jumped in the car and and drove all the way to Seattle for Christmas. And so it was about 2,700 miles round trip, and it was a great time. But on the road, it was really obvious when it was time to pull over. My four-year-old son was my gauge. And, you know, adults can go a lot longer, but my four-year-old son would start off, and he'd be sitting up straight and seatbelt buckled and playing a video game or doing something simple. And as the time would go on, he would slouch more and lean and find a new position and feet would be here and by the time i could look back and see his head on the seat and his back on my wife's passenger seat and his feet up touching the roof and he's looking out the window and he's throwing things i knew it was time to pull over it was just he was done and so you might be here today going into this new year and there are some some things that you can look for too knowing whether or not you need a fresh start to the new year just a fresh outlook so there's a couple of things if you've got your notes this morning and you've got a pen, you might want to write these down. This morning, as we, as we look at this new year, maybe you need a fresh start if you're weary, if you're tired. Some of us are just fatigued a lot. And sometimes it's little periods of time that we go and we're working hard. But there are some of us, like me, I'm really, this is personal knowledge, uh, who do too much. And we live in a state of fatigue and just, just we're tired all the time. And so going into this new year, it's possible for you to be doing so many good things that you can do none of them great. That you cannot be who God created you to be because you're just so worn out. So today, maybe you need a fresh start. Maybe God's going to ask you this year to say no to a few things that seem like good things, but it's time to do something else great, and it takes a fresh start. Maybe this morning you're here and you've, you need a fresh start because you've faced persecution. Persecution can come in many forms, but a lot of times just whether it's a hostile work environment, whether it's family and friends and just the general state of kind of where you live, maybe you're just under fire a lot and you're beaten down just repetitively by your, your job and everything. And this morning, you just need a fresh start. You just need to hit that reset button. This is the one we don't wanna talk about, but maybe you need a fresh start if you have unresolved sin in your life. It's, it's one we kind of don't wanna face, But we have to. Unresolved sin will cause us multiple, multiple kinds of problems in 2012. My wife, as we drove on this trip, would, you know, she was the, I called her the getter. I was the driver, she was the getter. So if the kids were like, you know, I need this, I need that, she was the getter, she got it. So we got to a point where my son goes, hey, can I have this? And she she kind of got frustrated for a moment because her feet, she couldn't move her legs, she couldn't move, she couldn't turn because she was covered in books and video games and toys and wrappers and just stuff, right? And sin is a lot like that. We are, are good at avoiding the huge things, but we're not so good at guarding against the accumulation of small compromises. We just, we give up one little thing at a time and we just add a wrapper and add it because we clean the car every morning. It didn't start like that. But sooner or later, you get to a point where all of a sudden you realize you can't move. You're stuck. And it just happens like that. So this year, maybe we need to take a fresh look at our lives and say, are there things in my life that I've, that I've compromised with, that I've given up over the last year, that I need, to, I need to rededicate to God, to give up in my life, to not have unresolved sin? Maybe this morning you're here and you need a fresh start if if you've lost your passion. Sometimes it's easy for us to just kind of do things over and over and we we lose a sense of direction. There were times on the road where I'd be driving for a long enough, I forget where we're going. We're just driving. It's just a process. You lose a passion and an excitement for the destination, right? You lose a sense of uh, kind of enjoyment of the journey because you don't even know where you're going anymore. Maybe this morning you you wanna just... Think about that, and as we go into the new year, maybe you wanna take a fresh look at your passion and, and ask God to just stir in you a new fire for who he is in your life. The last thing that uh, is kind of a sign that we need a fresh start is that maybe you're just in a new season in life. Maybe you're just in a new, a new time. Maybe you're here, maybe you've gone to church off and on, and maybe you're here today for the first time really saying, hey, I wanna know what this is all about. Maybe you have gone to church your entire life and you're tired of doing it the way you've always done it. You're tired of sitting in the same section, in the same, same chair, and you wanna stir it up a bit. The worst part about driving to California, or through California is that long stretch of road after you get through the, the, you know, that, the pass there, and it's just 150 miles of straight nothing, right? And there's only so long that you can look at those passing rows of crops before you're just like, oh, this is terrible. We get stuck in a rut like that a lot in life. We hit cruise control and we just zone out. And we come to church because we, that's what we do on Sunday. We lose sight of what it means to be here and why we're here and what it means to worship God. So maybe you're just in a new season and you're looking for something new. And I'm glad you're here, searching. This year, as we desire to get off to a great start, it's vital that we start fresh, that we shake things up a bit and look at our lives and look at how we can take a good look because none of us wanna start off this year tired and beaten down and passionless and full of garbage, right? We don't wanna start that way. We wanna start off with wings. And it's exciting because I don't care what 2011 looked like for you. We serve a God who is in control and is in control of the future. And 2012 can be amazing, amen? We can be excited about what God can do in your life this year. And there's a couple of things that we need to look at on, on our part and on his part, how this works in relationship with him, how we can get a fresh start on this new year. And I wanted to do that today by looking at the story of, of the Israelites. And when they were rescued, when they were brought up out of Egypt, there were things that God did for them and things that they did in return that really give us a glimpse into what it means to have a fresh start. The Israelites were were in captivity. Prisoner in Egypt for 430 years. So that means nobody within that camp had known anything but captivity. And so God raises up this man named Moses to go to Egypt and bring his people out. Now, Moses was not qualified for the job and he was not interested in the job, which made him the biblically perfect candidate. We see it all the time. Not equipped, not interested, you're doing it. It's perfect. And so Moses went. And, and he went to Egypt and started this process of talking to Pharaoh, saying, hey, the God of the Israelites says let him go. And Pharaoh didn't want anything to do with it. Why? If you were a ruler and you were holding captive a group of people large enough to greatly affect your workforce, meaning if you let them go, you have no one to work for you, or big enough that if you let them go and they're angry because you've been their captor, they could turn around and form an army and come back at you. Or they could cross a border and join your enemies. This was a big enough group of people that it would cause a national security problem to just let them go. So Pharaoh resisted greatly. And, and the Bible talks about a, a number of signs and miracles that it were, happened through Moses and plagues that God sent. And so it finally became apparent to Pharaoh, hey, this is not a good thing anymore. And we read this in Exodus chapter 12, verses 31 through 33. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and your herds, and as you have said, and go and bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise they said, we will all die. It came to a point where the Egyptians were like, please leave immediately, go. And so all of a sudden, you've got this large, large group of people that are now completely on a fresh start. They are now doing something completely new to them. And God led them out of of this place in Egypt, and they wander through the desert for a little while, and God gives them all kinds of things. But all of a sudden, Pharaoh decides, hey, I'm going to pursue them. And so he sends his armies after him. And so God protects the Israelites, and he, you know, kind of, Clouds them and confuses the Egyptian army and their chariots fall and all through this series of miracles brings them to the point of the Red Sea where God does a huge miracle and parts the Red Sea and the Israelites cross on dry ground and as the Egyptian army follows, the sea comes back together and they're all, they all die. So the Israelites were brought out and now they're in this moment after the Red Sea recognizing this God who has saved them. And this is one of the the first, as a, as a worship leader, I love this. It's one of the first acts of just pure worship. In Exodus chapter 15, it says this. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. This group of people were given this fresh start and they experienced God in a mighty way. God rescued them from the slavery they were in and set them apart as his people, gave them a completely new start. Now, after this, there's a lot of things that start happening as God begins to teach the Israelites how to be his people. And we're gonna look at three things today that we have to do. Three things that we see from this story that are required from us if we're gonna have a fresh start like the Israelites did in this year, 2012. First thing is this. If you've got your notes out, write this down. A fresh start takes faith. A fresh start in 2012 is going to take faith. My wife is an avid reader. And so on this trip, it's no you know, surprise that she would be reading books all the time. And so I would, you know, look up and she kind of just didn't exist until her book was finished. She just read and read and read and read. And so we went up and we crossed over through San Francisco and then we went up the 101. And if you know anything about that road, it's really, really fun to drive. And I have a really fun car. And we're driving through the Redwoods and I, I picked it up a little bit. I was, you know, it was like a car commercial. I was like, hey, this is fun. And I suddenly realized that my wife was no longer quietly reading her book. She was grabbing onto the door with this, really, I love you, honey, but I'm nervous. I'm scared right now at the way you're handling this car. And I didn't stop, but I'm just saying, <laughs> she was scared. She was scared. Her whole attitude changed radically when the road began to bend, and I began to pick up the pace. And the fact is this, at the beginning of a new year, we sit here in 2012, you know, 2012 with this whole year ahead of us. Nobody in here knows what it's going to look like. We just don't know. You might be on the verge of finding a job that you've always wanted or on the verge of losing one you've always had. It's scary. You don't know what's gonna happen. Our, our peace of mind and our health and our livelihood, everything that we have is not guaranteed to us. It's just not. And so the thing is, we've gotta ask our, ourselves the question. We know this year is gonna look different than we planned and that life is gonna be full of changes, But do you really trust God? Do you have faith in him as a driver? Do you trust him? I want you to be really honest with yourself about that question today. Are you relaxed about where you're headed? Or are you kind of secretly grabbing the door handle and wanting to reach for the the steering wheel a little bit and sometimes pumping the invisible brake that people do? Are you scared? Or do you really have faith that God knows what he's doing? That God is going to take you there and get you there safely? Are you able to just put your head down and relax? Now, if you have trouble with this issue, here's the encouraging thing this morning. You're not alone, and it's not a new problem. All the way back to the Israelites, they're given this fresh start. And they were allowed to leave, and they followed God. But this road that they were on through the desert was absolutely paved with hardship. Walking through the desert with hundreds of thousands of people is not easy. There was a scarcity of things like food and water. Can you imagine disease and and, and injury and the fear of all the unknowns? Armies that they're going through that that would eventually attack. It was a scary thing. And this guy is leading you named Moses. That's kind of a, a frightful road to be on. And when things got hectic, what did they do? Nearly every time they began to lash out. And they began to criticize the driver. They began to yell at Moses and Aaron and grumble and complain and whine all the time against God and against Moses and Aaron. We see it very vividly in Exodus 16, two through three. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Now, I don't imagine that all of us have ever had, or any of us have had a time when hundreds of thousands of people are mad at you at once, but I can't imagine this was a good feeling. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Because there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Basically looking at Moses and saying, you did all this just to kill us. We wish we'd have just died back there in Egypt. At least we would have been well fed. That's kind of ungrateful, right? And the bottom line is when it got tough, they just couldn't hack it. They couldn't handle it. And so the biggest thing is as we go into this new year, be honest with yourself. Do you have any faith in God? Can you trust him? It's easy when we're sitting here in church to raise that hand and say, I trust. But when we go home, do we trust him with our job? Do we trust him with our money? Do we trust him with our, our families and our relationships? Do we trust him with our kids? That's a tough one for me as a father. Do I trust that God is going to protect him, that I don't have to do everything? You're not alone if that's tough for you. The coolest thing about faith that we see in the Bible is the result of faith. What happens when the people of God believe and put their trust in them and they let go of the steering wheel and they let God be God? The result of that is staggering. God comes through every time. Not a a case of it anywhere where God fails. So today, let's ask ourselves that question. And the great thing about having to do something like this. When I say to have a fresh start, it takes faith. For every request in the Bible, for every demand of us in the Bible, there is a promise. Amen? And God says, I want your faith. I want you to believe in me, but I will give you provision. I will provide for you. So it takes faith, but God provides for us. God will give us provision. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, this is a great example of, of this happening. We've probably read this a lot, maybe you've heard this passage before, but I want you to take a look at this this morning with a fresh set of eyes and what this means for us today. Matthew chapter 6 says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. How many of us can add a single hour to our life by worrying? When we believe, when we truly trust God, we trust in him to provide. We trust that even when it's scary and even when we don't see what's gonna happen, God's going to come through in unexpected and miraculous ways. God provides two ways for us. He provides physical things first. God can provide for us physically. And it, it might be small things But we saw it with the Israelites. If you read the story through Exodus and and through Numbers on their journey, when they needed food, God provided food. When they needed water, God provided water. When they needed help in battle, God was there. God provided all along the way. Even when they didn't care and they didn't recognize it and they still didn't follow instructions, God was there providing for them. And so basically God comes through in our lives. It happens. Sometimes it's a big thing. Some of us in this church, we've heard stories of the big things being solved. Maybe your home was unexpectedly saved. Maybe it was a job coming from nowhere. There's so many ways marriages can be healed. There's big things that God provides help for. And then there's sometimes small ones, and it's a shame that we miss those, that we're not looking close enough. And maybe it's you're down and things are not going well for you, and there's someone that provides a word of encouragement for you. And we don't recognize that as being God providing what we need. It's important to surround ourselves with people that God uses, amen? That people that will bring us up and give us that word of encouragement. The key to this is making sure that we're, we're looking for it. On this drive, there were several times that my, my, we're driving and we were looking for something, and a deer, we're always looking for deer or whatever. And we finally saw him. And I was like, look, a deer. And my daughter was like, oh, wow. Cool. And my son is screaming, what? There's no deer? Where? I don't see it. I don't see it. And then I glance back and he's looking out the wrong window. Other side. Look at the other side. How many times do we do that? We say, God, please provide a miracle for me over here. And specifically, this is exactly what I'd like. And we don't think about God might do something completely different. God might ask us for radical change in our life. But, and are we open to that? Do we trust him enough to just let go and let him provide for us? Are we looking out the right, the right window? It's a shame when we miss a miracle because we're chasing our own expectations. When we're chasing what we want instead of what we need. That's a shame. So as we pray for provision this year, as we put our faith in him, let's make sure we're looking in the right spot and being open. God not only provides for us physically, He also provides for us spiritually. And this is one we, we talk about a lot. It's harder to grasp because I think as human beings we're finite and we, we're, you know, addicted to tangible. We like to touch and feel and you know when it's abstract and it's kind of just a thought or it's an idea, it's harder for us to really grab on and be passionate about. But the truth of the matter is this it doesn't get any more simple in terms of provision than John three sixteen. That God created you and we're all broken. We're all broken and we need him. And he loves us enough and knows you personally and sent his son to die that you might come to a relationship with him. In this world of chaos and confusion and lies, it's great to know that God loves you and provides for you spiritually, ways for you to know him. That's the ultimate act of providing. It's eternal. It's more than just the stuff around us. And God is drawing us into relationship with him. And if you've been missing that, then there's simple ways to just pray to him and say, God, I wanna see you, maybe for the first time. I trust you, just show me, and God will open your eyes to it. God will show you who he is. So in addition to needing faith and God coming through um, in big ways with provision, we also need this, number two. A fresh start this year is gonna take obedience. It's gonna take obedience, and I know, I know. I teach high school. The word obedience makes us all go, ugh. We don't want to obey. We fight against it with every nature of who we are. Obedience does not come naturally. But when the Israelites were pulled out of Egypt, right, when they were pulled out, they were told very specifically to do certain things and not do certain things. They were told to go certain places and not go certain places. They were given The direction to go and when they chose to listen good things happen when they didn't there were consequences now if you're a parent this system sounds very familiar right if you have kids or you've ever taught kids or you know you know it's pretty simple when when I look at my children I want to teach them I want them to navigate this world in a successful and safe way I want them to learn and I want to protect them. With every fiber of my being, I want to keep them safe. So when I took, turn to my son and, I'm, and I say, don't touch that. It's hot. I'm not being oppressive. I'm not being mean. I'm not being a jerk. I'm protecting his hand. Because I don't want to get him burnt. I don't want him to learn from that pain. I want to help him make that choice not to touch it. Does he? Yes, Absolutely. He does it all the time. So if that makes sense to us, there's not a person in this room would say, no, nah, we shouldn't tell our kids, we should just let them get burnt." I mean, we all agree that we should protect our children. Why is it so tough for us to understand that God has the same system for us, that we as his children are in need of guidance, are in need of protection at times? Why is that so difficult? The bottom line is that whether we like it or not, God created this world with a design. He's a great architect. He had a plan. And so I I kind of think about this building and and, and the awesome structure that it is. And I know that a lot of work probably went into blueprints and the math of getting it right and everything down to to the last detail. And if the builders had all shown up and just decided to put beams wherever, it would have been a disaster. I like this wall here better well, that's your opinion, I'll put it here. And everyone just does what they want. It would have been chaos. There's a plan, and the plan needed to be followed. And if we're gonna have a great start to this year, if 2012 is going to be a great year for you and your family, it's important you make sure you're following the plan, that you're following the right track. The roads that we create for ourselves are not gonna be the best roads to take. They're not gonna be the best roads to take. We need to look at what God is providing. Uh, Jim Marshall was a a really good defensive end in the NFL back in the 50s and 60s. And there's a a famous clip of him as a a defensive end. He's playing against the San Francisco 49ers in 1964. And the running back bursts through the line and gets hit, and the ball gets stripped and, and hits the ground. And he scoops it up, and in one fell motion, he's off to the races with this fumble recovery, and he, he runs hard, and he runs fast, and 66 yards later, he comes into the end zone, and he opens up his arms, and he's running, and he tosses the ball out of bounds, proud of his accomplishments, and turns around, expecting to see his teammates all coming to congratulate him, and if you've ever seen the video, you know that the only person there to greet him was a member of the other team, who quietly says to him, thanks, man, you're in the wrong end zone. And as he got to the wrong end zone and tossed the ball out of bounds, it was a safety. Gave points to the other team and the ball back. And then he just stands there like, whoops. And you see the sidelines, the, 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 the team and the coaches are all going nuts. And he thinks, yeah, they're cheering me on, baby. No, they're trying to get you to stop because you're going the wrong way you listen to the commentators you know marshall's running the wrong way he's running the wrong way nobody can help this guy he's just and the best comment of all at the very end was the announcer goes well he was a happy fellow for a moment (laughs) it's my favorite line he was a happy fellow for a moment and they all got a good laugh out of it except for jim marshall And we live like that sometimes, we get so confident that we know best, that we're doing right, we just run. And we run oblivious to the people in our lives that are trying to help us, to God's word, to all the things that are out there telling us, hey dummy, you're going the wrong way, slow down. We run happy for a moment, temporary, until we wind up and we realize we're in the wrong end zone and we blew it and we let people down. And it's, and it's a sad thing. I think that obedience is something that we don't grow out of as adults. I think we need it more. Because the wiser we get, the older we get, the more confident that we know best. And the further and further away we get from this idea that we need to listen. We need God. We need instruction. Now, Proverbs 1.7 says it this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. It's not a weakness to listen. It's not a weakness to follow God. It's a strength to say, hey, I don't know best. I'm cool with that. I know that without him, I will just run in circles. I'll run the wrong way. I need his guidance. Now, the great thing is, just like we need us needing faith and him providing, we need obedience, we need to obey him, but God provides us instruction. God gives this route to us. It's not something we have to just go out and figure out. I am absolutely dependent now on my phone for navigation, and there's nothing quite like getting in the car and telling it where I want to go, and hitting navigate, and seeing that little blue triangle pop up, and that blue route, and that, that nice lady just telling me where to go, and I just sit back and follow. Without it, bad things happen. I get lost. I'm a guy, and I'm not gonna ask for directions. The phone is the only one I will listen to now, right? But it's there for me. It's it's there to help me navigate and get to my destination quickly and efficiently. I can check traffic. It'll tell me where to avoid. All kinds of helpful little things. Well, in life, it's a lot like that. Think about this. The Israelites were rescued from Egypt. They were brought out, but they didn't get to choose the road out of town. They didn't get to choose where they were going. God said, follow me, follow me. The Bible is actually clear that had they chosen themselves, they would have chosen the shortest way. Wouldn't we all? What's the quickest way? Well, the quickest way that was the most obvious also led them right into the Philistines. And they were not ready for battle. They were not ready to handle that problem. And God knew it. God knew it. God knew that the Egyptians were about ready to pursue them. We would have just sandwiched them in between two armies and they'd been wiped out. And God said, no, 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 no. I'm gonna take you this way. It's long. It's desolate, it's horrible, but it's correct. It's right. And I'm gonna take you through this and I'm gonna guide you. And so God guided them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He took care of them. The 10 commandments, he gave them. He gave them rules to live by. Four things that relate, relate to him and six things to relate to each other. 10, simple rules. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe. There's that faith again. He must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And the fact is, really simple. Disobedience this year is going to bring heartache and chaos. I don't care how wise you think you are. I've got a lot to learn. I understand that. But look, we don't have the answers. And disobedience, direct disobedience to God and that accumulation of sin in our life, it is going to take you down this year. In small ways, big ways, it's gonna happen. It's just what happens in our lives. It will always lead to negative results. But God is faithful to provide wisdom when we ask it. All we have to do is follow the instructions. Now, all of this is really easy to talk about. Well, we need faith, so we'll trust him, which is, you know, easy, kind of, right? And he provides. And then we ask, you know, God to help us obey him, and we try to obey, and we follow his rules, and God provides instruction, and we try to do that. Here's the hardest one of all, this last thing. If we're gonna have a fresh start this year in 2012, it takes endurance. It takes endurance. This road that the Israelites were on they were promised this promised land, right? In Canaan, this land where the generations of their family could grow up and be happy and healthy, a land of flowing with milk and honey. Why didn't God just take them there? Why didn't God just clear the road and march them straight in and set them up? Have you thought about that? It would have been easy. God already brought them out of Egypt. Why not just take them there? They weren't, they weren't ready to even receive that. They needed to learn how to relate to God, how to know him, how to be in a relationship, how to obey, how to do all these things. And instead of just going straight there, they wandered for 40 years until God finally pulled the blessing from the first generation completely. God said, nope, none of you are gonna see it. Your kids will, because you blew it. And they just wandered around in circles till they all died. That's sad. That is really, really sad. But a fresh start takes endurance. It takes time. And the problem with the Israelites is that as soon as it got tough, and as soon as things got kind of hectic along that road, they reverted back to their old ways. Think about it. They'd grown up in Egypt, Egyptian gods, Egyptian way of life. And as soon as things got got hard, they just gave up, and they went back to their old way of thinking. How many of you think that gyms are going to be packed this week? Yeah. Yeah, the marketing campaign started weeks ago. Gyms will be packed this week. Not so packed week three of January or week four. February, forget it. It's back to normal. And I, I, I know friends that work out religiously and they take this two weeks off. They don't even go. Or they go in the middle of the night when they don't have to deal with all the people when they're trying to start new. They just wait till it clears out again and they go back to their regular routine. It takes endurance. It takes the long haul to create change. And if we're gonna have a fresh start, we've gotta be able to do that and not go back on our old ways. Let's look at this. Exodus 32, one through four. When people saw that Moses was so longing coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't even know what's happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off your gold earrings that your wives and your sons and daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And then they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Wow. Really? Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments and instruction from God. He's gone like 40 days. So within a couple of weeks, they're just like, well, Moses is gone. Not sure what happened. Let's just go worship other gods. Let's make gods for ourselves. And let's give them credit for getting us out of Egypt. That's, that's more than just creating your own God. To give, to give something else credit for what God does in your life is unbelievable. And if you've read that story, God's anger burned hot against them. God was angry. And it took Moses pleading with him. Please don't kill them all. God said they can be saved. And, and I'm, you know, it's so great to see a God that is graceful and lets us fall. But, man, they went right back to where they had started. The problem that we have today is that we do this a lot. As soon as life gets tough, we just make our own gods. We try to find our own way. And, and we, we just decide, I'm going to go ahead and just do it this way. Maybe it's a job that you know is not right for you. You know it's not. God has made it clear, but it pays really well. So, I'm gonna do it myself. You know, maybe it's just the way you handle problems or the, way, the, the route you choose, but God gives instruction and when we don't follow it, when we just say, ah, I'm gonna do this my way, bad things happen. And the worst is that we then take credit for it. Sometimes good things happen and we're like, yeah, see? I can do this, I made it my own way. Some of us just medicate. Some of us just turn on the TV and we just watch hundreds of hours of TV and we just try to pretend like nothing's wrong. As we just slowly walk back to Egypt, we just kinda, mm-hmm. We don't really think about what's happening. That God has rescued us, God has saved us. God wants you in a relationship with him. We're so willing when it gets tough to go right back to old lifestyles, old ways. Anger. Things like that we just we, we fall back on those human things, and it's not what God wants for us. It's not what God wants for us this year, let alone you know ever. God doesn't want us to do this and live this way. God wants us to have faith. God wants us to believe in Him and trust in Him. and when we do, He provides every step of the way. Trust Him and find out. right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Try it this year as we start out. God wants us to obey Him. He knows that when given the chance. He will instruct us. His word is there for us. There are ways that he guides and teaches us how to live when we obey him. And and lastly, he wants us to endure. It's gonna be a tough road. It's not gonna be perfect. We know that. But when we do, God gives us strength. God strengthens us along the way. We sing about it. How many times as a church have we sung everlasting God? God. Strength will rise as we wait on the Lord, as we're patient in his presence. Not trying to do it ourselves, but we wait and we see what God does. And we're okay with it when it's unexpected because he will not grow tired and weary. It's not just a song, it's biblical. And in Isaiah chapter 40, we see this verse. We see this passage of scripture. Listen to this. Do you not know That's a cool verse. We've heard it before. It's used in sports a lot. Do you know where the Israelites were when this was given to them? They were right back in captivity in Babylon. They had come full circle after a couple generations of people and they were right back slaves again to another nation because they had not had faith in God and they didn't obey what God was doing and they were unwilling to just endure and, and find that strength in him. And guess what? Praise God, that he doesn't just turn his back, amen? Amen. That this was his message, I'm here. I love this, do you not know, have you not heard? In that chapter, that said a lot. Guys, we've been through this before. We've been through this before. I'm still here, and I'm still the everlasting God, and I will not tire of helping you and providing for you and loving you. So as the band comes back up, I wanna invite them to come up I thought it would be cool today as if, if we close again. I wanna sing Everlasting God as a church one more time. And whether you know the words or not, maybe you're not a singer, you know. but I want this to be the anthem for your year. I want this to be something you can latch onto, that you can, you can look and say, God, I wanna find strength in you this year because I know you're everlasting. I know that you will give me that strength to carry through. And as we start this new year fresh, have faith, If you've never trusted in God before, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never done that, try it. Try it. It's as simple as saying, God, I need you. I need you, I wanna find you. Show me who you are. And he will show up and provide. And then I wanna encourage everyone in here to just be obedient this year. To really seek ways that we can rid our lives of the garbage that we accumulate. To be real with him and real with ourselves. And take his instructions seriously. Amen? Amen? Can we just be excited about this new year and what God is going to do? Let's stand as we sing this, this song together and as we as we close today. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your instruction. We thank you for being who you are. And I pray that you would just open each and every one of our eyes to see you in a fresh way this year. That we would just get out of the monotony of the way that we do things all the time and that we would just be really honest with ourselves about where we're at. We put our faith in you as a church. We put our trust and we thank you that you have provided and that you will provide. We thank you, Lord, for your instruction and we pray you'd give us the strength to obey and the discernment to do what's right and that you would give give us endurance that we might go far beyond just this moment, that we would carry this, this joy and this strength into the week and into the months ahead, that we might be a light in this community for you. In Jesus' name, amen.